Welcome to the Theta Gang Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGang.com. My name is Juni, and thanks for tuning in. Just as a disclaimer, these are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. Thanks. Alrighty, uh, welcome to uh, episode 17 of the Theta Gang Podcast. Um, happy Veterans Day. Um, they wanted to say a quick thanks to uh, the people that have served and are currently serving with a moment of silence. Thank you very much. And if we can please have another moment of silence for people who bought Roku calls last week. Uh, this is on behalf of Mr. Something Fart, Mr. John Pitchko, Fiji Konsushi, Luke Rutt, Rob Seth, Tech VA, Zach, and Money24 Wing. Following the uh, moment of silence that we gave for the Roku calls, uh, this is just a friendly reminder that, you know, earnings, again, I said in the last podcast, I'll probably say in every podcast, um, earnings are just always going to find a way to mess you up. There's just so many things that have to go right in an earnings call, especially if you buy a naked option like a naked call. Um that it's just not worth the risk. Um, maybe if you have some accumulation of profit from you know, a profit strategy that works out in the long term, and you want to maybe like just do a fun bet, then that's cool. But like, there's definitely no reason why you should have a you know a good chunk of money being put into this if it's like your main portfolio, because it's just not a viable long-term strategy. Um, if you're just playing earnings, um, you know, even swing traders don't just play earnings. They have their own like indicators that they use. They use all this technical analysis. Um, but again. Swing traders don't even do it. Um, so, you know, you really want to make sure that your strategy for the long term, if you want to do this for a long time, uh, that it's sustainable. All right, uh, let's hop straight into it. This earnings week is a heavy emphasis on weed. Um, this is like the weed week or marijuana week um, for a lot of the big names. Um, speaking of which, before open on Monday, uh, before you uh, even listen to this podcast, I'm sure that Neptune has already reported. Um, and then after close on Monday, we have Tencent, which is a Chinese com company that owns like a, s a stake share in like um, like Riot Games, like League of Legends. Um, and then there's a grocery chain called Grocery Outlet that is also reporting after the bell on Monday. Moving on to Tuesday, we have before open another weed company called Kronos um, and then another company called Overstock as well as Tyson brand. Moving along, on Tuesday, there is Tilray, which is the infamous uh, short squeeze bubble marijuana stock that went up to 300 in a matter of like, you know, like a day or two. Um, that was pretty chaotic. Uh, the stock had to be halted. Um, and as soon as the halt was over, everyone pulled out and it crashed like no other. It was a super crazy day. Even my stepdad was uh, texting me about it. It's It was really, really bonkers. Um, so... Um, right now, I think weed is in a very weird spot because it's been in a recent downtrend, but there's a lot of pop culture um, being put into weed where, you know, Drake is becoming an investor and, um, you know, weed is also trying to get into the fight space. As UFC is getting more and more popular, as fighting is getting more and more popular, you see all these CBD oil companies and all these marijuana companies trying to get in the industry, maybe because there's like less regulation about ads um, in that in the fight industry, but um, that's just what I've been observing. 
Moving along, uh, on Wednesday before open, we have Canada Goose, which is a retail brand that had gotten some traction um, a little few months ago, as well as Fiverr, which is a freelance company um, that you can hire a contractor for uh, to do various things. And after close on Wednesday, we have Cisco, uh, which is a very famous um, you know, like tech company. Lastly, on Thursday, we have Walmart and we have Wix.com. Uh, just a quick note about Walmart. If you have any Target or Amazon stock or any retail stock for that matter, uh, you want to be cognizant of the Thursday um, date because it will fluctuate up or down depending on how Walmart guides the next you know quarter or two. Um, but you definitely want to just make sure that you have that uh, tracked on your calendar as well as after close on Thursday, there is NVIDIA another semiconductor stock um, that is reporting earnings so you want to be making sure that you are tracking whether or not you are holding a large majority in maybe Micron or maybe AMD um, but those will also fluctuate as well and lastly after the bell there is Canopy Growth and Aurora uh, two very famous weed stock companies Quick note, there is JCPenney before open on Friday, though I count it as like a penny stock because it's gone so low, so you might just, it's not even worth playing really. Um, there's not much room to short it, there's no real reason to go long, um, but it does have earnings before open on Friday. Alright, so that about wraps it up as far as earnings goes for this week. Um, but just as a quick reminder, I'm only ever mentioning the stocks that I care about. You can definitely um, find a lot more to um, you know keep track of on your own through the Earnings Whispers calendar. Um, but you know, if I were to go through all of them in this podcast, you'd fall asleep before we even got to the content of the episode. So there are absolutely more earnings um, always when I mention these, but these are just the bigger names that um, I notice. Alrighty, I just want to give a quick recap of how my trading week went. Um, I caught a few W's with the call credit spreads I wrote on Peloton and beyond. And I also caught a few W's with the Iron Condors I wrote for Roku and Disney earnings. However, you guys know me. I hate sounding like a guru and I hate people that sound like gurus. So I'm going to talk about a few losses here. Um, my Netflix call credit spreads since I've opened them have only been red and I decided on Friday that I would close them uh, in lieu of this week um, and it you know getting assigned because it's getting closer and closer to the expiration date because it had been so red um, but you know at this weekend there was this like trading news about um, China and how we're not reaching a agreement and so you're gonna see a general market shift um, going down possibly tomorrow on Monday I'm not sure I don't have a crystal ball but that was a good opportunity for my Netflix call credit spreads to get some life like breathed back into them. However, already closed for a loss, but it's all good because all my other trades, literally every other trade uh, last week uh, did it for me, Got went green. And uh, so I'm just very much at a break even for last week. Um, and uh, speaking of which, for this week, my plan is to sell Netflix call credit spreads um, as well as sell puts or put credit spreads on Facebook. Facebook right now is getting a lot of media attention for deciding to remove likes. Um, I don't know if this is going to be just a tested region or if it's going to be targeted or if it's going to be platform-wide, region-wide. Um, but 
uh, Instagram is going to start removing likes from the platform. Um, there's a lot of, you know, backlash from so social media right now. Um, you know, even trashing Facebook stock because they think uh, engagement will go down. Um, you know, th th that's a really good argument, right? But you have to really think about it from the business side um, where, you know, influencers can't really convert sales. We've all read that very famous article about how this um, female influencer had like one point something million users but couldn't sell 10 t-shirts when, when someone wanted um uh, you know, to buy some ad space or like buy a post for her to post herself in a t-shirt, right? It's hard for influencers to flip sales. So uh, as Facebook is becoming more and more aware of this, um, they're looking to really crank out money from like the populars section, right? Where you get to see the popular posts. Well, as a user, you can definitely tell what, use, uh, what posts are popular by the amount of likes. However, if Facebook removes the likes and instead promotes their own content or paid content from you know, other marketers, um, then you don't quite need to have a post with like thousands of likes uh, on the popular page for it to make sense. Now Facebook can just insert this uh, you know, really average looking popular post into the popular section uh, without needing the engagement from everyone else because um, you know how many times have you liked an ad like zero times right there's no reason to like an ad you feel you feel like you're just gonna contribute to that CIA agent that's like current like always looking at you and making sure that you see the right things right <laughs> like um, so I see I, I don't see much reason to go bearish on Facebook I think Facebook is just trying to crank out more money. And lastly, to hammer at home, Twitter has banned political ads, right? So where are the political ads going to be? They're going to be all driven on Facebook, and no one does political ads better than Facebook. I mean, think about it. Our mom and dads are on there. They bicker and banter all they want on Facebook. Um, it's definitely like it's definitely become the mom and dad platform uh, as users are, you know, quietly, quietly going to Instagram and Snapchat. Um, but yeah, just my two cents. Alrighty, uh, for this section, the ThetaGang.com website updates. Um, there's a new UI out, so as you notice, if you go to ThetaGang.com, it looks more dashboardy. Uh, I'm just, you know, scaffolding everything to make sense. So when notifications come out, as well as like closing trades, that everything just looks organized. So you're not scrambling all over the website uh, looking for uh, all the different type of features. Um, and uh, I'm going to be working on it right after I finish, you know, publishing this podcast episode. But you should be able to tag other users. Um, while they won't be able to get the notification yet that you did tag them, uh, if you do use the at symbol with their username, it should, you know, turn blue and you could go to the profile by clicking it. Um, but yeah, the most notable next things that are coming are notifications of when someone posts on your thread as well as closing your trades. And then I'll be working on liking and, you know, upvoting all that good stuff. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let's get into today's episode on break even. Uh, this is dedicated to the people that you know have been in the situation where a stock went up 
and you know they bought calls but they lost money and they wonder like you know I bought calls thinking Apple was gonna go up Apple did go up why did I still lose money alright um, this question gets frequently asked all the time on the Wall Street Bet subreddit as well as you know the options subreddit it's just a very very common question because um, options are very deceptively simple or maybe deceptively complex. It very, it very much depends on uh, how you view it. But uh, there's a lot of deception of how simple it is um, when you buy calls because everyone just says, like, you know, if you think something's going up, buy calls. Um, uh, but that's going to lead you to lose a lot of money uh, to time and to volatility, which I hope to, you know, help you understand without using all those big, scary financial words. So just right off the bat, um, break even, again, both applies to selling an option as well as buying an option. But just to keep things simple, uh, let's just use an example where we buy naked call, right? So um, if Apple is currently trading at 100 bucks and you are really bullish on Apple, and say that you want to uh, buy a 105 call contract on Apple that expires like I don't know, like next week, uh, next Friday, um, and you pay a hundred dollars for it. Um, as you hold that uh, naked call option, um, the value of it, you know, if Apple just stayed at a hundred bucks, um, you know, that hundred dollar call contract that you bought f uh, for the 105 strike price. Um, is going to dwindle in value uh, because as the uh, you know date gets closer and closer to expiration, the contract has less and less time to get in the money or to be, for you to be correct on your bet. So to help illustrate this point, let's go and talk about the Apple example, right? So let's say for example next Friday, Apple is in fact trading at 105. Hooray! Congrats, uh, you're correct on your bet. Uh, you were bullish on Apple, you bought the 105 call, and right before the bell um, on next Friday, uh, it's trading at 105. Do you think that you are green on the trade or red on the trade? I'll answer that for you. You are in fact red on the trade um, because of this factor called intrinsic versus extrinsic value. Um, and, you know, I know, I know... <laughs> I said that I wouldn't be using any of the big words, but let's go ahead and break these down real quick because they do uh, really um, explain what's going on here. Intrinsic value is the minimum someone will pay uh, for your option contract. So uh, let's say, for example, you know, you maybe instead of 105, you had bought the 106 contract. And uh, when, you know, when the option is about to expire, Apple's trade at 105. The contract at expiration has zero intrinsic value and zero extrinsic value. Um, and that's because the option is worthless. Uh, it has literally no function at that time, right? No one's going to pay $106 for a stock that costs $105. Um, so if you dial back that example to maybe uh, where you bought the 104 call contract when Apple is trading at 105, then there's about like $100 worth of intrinsic value uh, in the call option because your 105 or your 104 call contract uh, has that $100 worth of intrinsic value because there is a better reason to uh, 
you know, exercise the 104 call contracts instead of buying a uh, hundred, you know, Apple shares that cost 105. That's that's I think what helps you know new people understand is um, you know options are actual entities that you know get exercised, get used for trading. Um, you know, you, you enter, you know, you go on Robinhood, you download the app and you start option trading. It's hard to conceptualize, um, you know, how much an option is worth, um, especially with uh, intrinsic and extrinsic value, because all, all you really do is you're being the middleman for selling uh, and buying all these contracts um, that other companies are using to actually exercise or, you know, personal investors exercise them too. Um, but yeah. So if you're the owner of, you know, the 104 calls and, you know, Apple went up to like 150, I hope that you can understand why the 104 calls would be so green or so profitable for you if Apple did spike up like that, right? And these are definitely fictional prices, but, um, you know, Apple spikes up to 150, you have the 104 contract. What does that mean? So the you know when you buy a call it gives you the right um to buy the stock at that strike price so you know say you've spent a hundred bucks on this 104 call contract and you know by expiration apple is trading at 150. you have a buttload of intrinsic value on the 104 call contract because it lets you buy a hundred Apple shares at 104 instead of a hundred shares of Apple at 150. That's a lot. That's a lot of money that you, you know, quote unquote, save by buying the call contract. Um, obviously, that is a very unicorn of a situation. Uh, those very rarely happen. Um, but that I hope emphasizes and illustrates why um, you know intrinsic value is important. All right, uh, so you're probably asking, Junie, then what is your break even in this situation? Uh, I bought the 105 call for 100 bucks. Uh, what's my break even? Where, where at expiration uh, am I at my break even, or can, where can I finally turn green? And it's 106. So to get 106, what you do is you take the premium or the price. Um, AKA the price uh, that you bought the contract for. We bought the 105 contract for 100 bucks. You divide the price that you paid for the contract by 100 because the contract represents 100 shares. So you take the price 100, divide it by 100, and you get one. Now you add that to your strike price, and that is your break even. So at the time of expiration next Friday, you need Apple to be at least 106 to see green. Or if you would trade at 106 flat, you'd have lost no money on this trade, nor have, would you have lost money on this trade. So I mean, that's it. I hope that illustrated what break even really is. Um, I know when people buy contracts, they think that all they really need to do is reach that strike price number and they're golden. Um, while that is true, if you buy a longer dated option, like say that, say, you know, you bought Apple's currently trading at a hundred bucks right now. 
and um, you know you bought the 105 call contract for maybe you know May of next year um, then yeah crossing 105 like next month uh, you know you'd you'd be really you'd be pretty green uh, on the trade to be honest um, but you know you have to really make sure you understand uh, where you get intrinsic value from and where your break even is if you're buying contracts that are on a way shorter time frame uh, because I know a lot of people uh, currently listening to Theta Gang right now um, are still trading the very you know short-term contracts. I trade short-term contracts and I'm very cognizant of uh, the break-even. Uh, like I said, break-even very much imp uh, applies to uh, buying contracts and selling contracts. It's definitely both ways. Um, you know, in order for you to buy a contract, someone or a you know some conglomerate has to sell it to you, right? Um, there is very much a chance that you know one of you know my own listeners can be buying a contract that I'm selling because they want to take the opposite side of the trade. Um, absolutely possible, uh, though the chances are very slim. I'd say lottery, lottery odds of that actually happening or, or of that being tracked. Um, but yeah, hope that gives a little bit of light on what intrinsic value means to being uh, at your break even. Uh, just as a quick note, just so I don't leave out the other side, uh, is extrinsic value. Um, so, you know, as the option gets closer and closer to expiration time, what do you have less of? Um, you know, you have less time for it to be correct. And there is a value on time. Everyone wants to have more time to be correct. Right. You see all these people saying, oh, we're going to have a recession. We're going to have a recession. Um, well, you know, if they bought puts uh, really far out, uh, you know, far out the money or like some really, you know, disastrous looking puts like that the economy is going to fall to zero. There needs to be uh, some sort of cushion for them to fall behind. Right. They, they always want more time. They always say. Oh, we're gonna have a recession. Uh, no, this one's just a little blip. Uh, there's gonna come another recession. Everyone values time. Being a bull, you value time. Being a bear, you value time. Being, you know, just having more time to be correct is always better. So that is part of the extrinsic value placed into a stock option, and that's why your stock option is starting to be worth less as uh, expiration date gets closer because there's less time to be correct left on the option. So that's one factor of intrinsic value. Another factor of intrinsic value is volatility. Um, you know, Apple is relatively stable. Not much news makes it go up or down. Maybe some China news, but that's about it. Um, rather, you know, if you look at a stock like Tesla, Tesla will always have a little bit of extrinsic value just because, you know, Elon Musk can always send that next radical tweet to send the stock soaring or you know cratering um, so stocks are, are really volatile that give you again more of a chance to be correct uh, will have more intrinsic value um, or more volatility um, and it, I mean it's just as simple as that I don't even want to complicate it more um, intrinsic value as just as a summary uh, is the minimum someone will be willing to pay for your option as long as it's in the money again so if you know you have uh, Apple trading at 105 or say Apple is trading at 105.50 and you have the 105 call contract uh, that has $50 of intrinsic value because I mean the options are just face value the 
uh, you know, cheaper than the, the stock. So there's going to be value in exercising the 105 rather than buying the stock at 105.50. That's intrinsic value. Uh, extrinsic value is you know all the stuff that are external to the you know core value of the stock, which is time, things that traders uh, value, and um, volatility, which also traders value because again you know maybe the stock is going on a very stable downtrend, but you have like a very radical CEO that might tweet funding secured and boom your stock goes up and your option just went in the money like you were correct on the bet like the stock was just trading on a downtrend um, but you know as you know, as time just went by uh, your stock is just known to be volatile the stock price uh, just jumped back up and you were right all along on your call option that you bought on Tesla right so um, volatility is just great for option trading. Um, you always want volatility to be on your side, um, you know. Uh, but there is uh, a, there is something to say about volatility and time, and it's that uh, volatility will always make your options worth more. Um, meaning you have to pay more uh, if you want to buy options. Uh, if you were to sell the options, you would get paid more uh, because you're taking the risk because it's such a volatile stock um, so that's a bullish case for selling options um, but also time if you haven't noticed in this entire episode time is going against you when you buy options um, if you sell an option to somebody uh, you know time is going against them and you know time is the master of all it's definitely one of the core values of this podcast and website is just something I always want to be um, you know putting emphasis on but this isn't new news uh, you know we've had plenty of episodes describing you know why it's better to write options than to you know buy them so definitely check out previous episodes if this is the first episode you are watching I hope this all made sense I know we got a little bit into the weeds there but you know we gotta get to some sort of uh, you know middle ground uh, you know, so we can start talk, getting into the nitty gritty of what to do and what not to do when you're selling options, because that is just a little bit more complex than uh, outright buying options. But we'll get there. Ooh, that was a long episode too. I just don't understand why these episodes go on so long. I wish I could, you know, articulate this better, um, more casually in a, uh, you know, more <laughs> compact way. But you know, just talking about options, uh, it's just super complex. And I just keep catching myself, you know, skipping steps or, um, you know, remembering times when I was like new to options trading and I wish that someone would explain it to me this way. Um, cause you know, it's easy for someone to explain something to you, you know, especially in person and you're just like, mm-hmm, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, this being the internet and this being a podcast, you know, if you have any questions that, you know, that I think, or that you think I should answer in a podcast episode feel free to shoot me an email at juniatthetagang.com there have been plenty of episodes based on feedback or questions that you know people or listeners have been sending in through email Um, but that's about it 
Um, extended shout-outs to Mr. IV and Mr. John Pitchko. They have been with me since, like, day one. It's incredible, uh, and I thank them for the support. Um, if you want to support me on Patreon, you can go ahead and support me there at patreon.com slash thetagang. Uh, you can get super sick perks like uh, a flare or real-time trade alerts through SMS. You know, refreshing my trades page is a pain in the butt. I totally get it. Uh, if you want, like, a text every time I open or close one, you can absolutely support me at patreon to get those or if you want to send a cool uh, like message on top of the theta gang site for everyone to see that scrolls left to right it's pretty cool you can even throw in some emojis in there that can also be at patreon.com um, and then if you want to follow me on twitter at real theta gang that's where i do most of my interaction from uh because it's just uh really funny there's a lot of good fin twit on twitter and i like to be on there um, as well as thetagang.com which is the uh, you know main website this web podcast is about. Um, and lastly, Theta Gang is proudly partnered with Tastyworks. Took a long time to get that partnership, but you know it. You, you gotta admit it makes ThetaGang.com uh, pretty official, huh? Um, I'm I'm pretty happy, pretty stoked. Uh, there are a lot of people that have used the referral code, um, and I thank you all for using it and joining the Tastyworks family. Um, and we'll go ahead and see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.